This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. So, we're going to start the series, Summer at the Movies. Guys, I just thought this was a great time. Everybody's out of school now. Uh, We have, uh, you know, a a lot of folks... uh, more folks in service. We also have a lot of folks out on vacations and different things like that. But I thought, what better way to kick off our summer than to do something fun like look at the spiritual parallels in popular movies today. And, um, you know, I don't know how many of you realize that God speaks to us all in different ways. I'm one. Some of you know me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty big movie fan. And Sean and I walk out of a movie. Almost every time we walk out of a movie, we'll, we'll look at each other and go, wow, that could, that could preach. Wow, did you see that one scene? And we're sitting there, we, we see the spiritual parallels and things. And how many of you know God can speak to you through those kind of things? And we tend to look at movies, especially within the church, we tend to look at movies as this more worldly thing. But really, movies are modern-day parables. Now, some of them slash them up movies. Maybe they're not. But, but movies are modern-day parables. And Jesus used parables to get his point across, didn't he? He would tell these stories that we could relate to where we're at walking our life today, and he would put these spiritual parallels to it, and he would, he would point out the spiritual parallels to make a point in people's lives. So today we are going to talk about a movie. I think it's a very appropriate movie because at the end of service today we're actually going to pray for our graduates. And so I kind of had that in mind as I was going into this. And the movie we're doing today is about growing up and about dreaming and discovering who you are, and about pursuing what's really important in life. And that's part of the reason I chose this movie. So I'm going to be speaking to everybody, but, uh, but I was thinking specifically really about the graduates. I talked about that a couple weeks ago. How many of you remember that first time, maybe you're graduating from high school, or maybe you, know, you were moving out from your parents' home, or going to get your first job, and you remember when life was kind of looming in front of you. For the first time, life was kind of scary. You had to step out from under your parents' shadow, and you had to make your way on your own. It's kind of daunting, isn't it? And so that's kind of what I was thinking in the midst of this. Now, let me say, before I play the trailer for the movie we're going to do today, um, I, I apologize to those watching online, but we cannot show these clips. We cannot stream them. So um, we do have a license that allows us to show movies in the church, uh, allows us to show clips, allows us to show uh, like the movie like we're going to do on Wednesday. However, um, there is not a license that would allow us to stream copywritten movie clips on, uh, over the internet. So that will not be on there. So if you're watching online, what's going to happen is, I didn't talk to Titus, he's running the camera today, I didn't talk to him beforehand, but he's going to keep the camera right here on me as we go to different clips. He's going to keep it right here on me and you're going to see the screen go dark. Uh, you will steer, still hear the audio and I'll, I'll do a brief uh, summary of the clip we just watched um, after, afterwards. But, um, but anyway, with that said, um, let's uh, go ahead and watch the the trailer for this movie. How many of you saw The Greatest Showman? How many of you husbands refused to go with your wife to see a musical? <laughs> I'm not normally a big musical fan, but I will say that I went with Shauna and Lauren? I think it was, oh, Madison. I mean, Shauna and Madison went and saw The Greatest Showman, and that was probably one of the best musicals that I've ever seen. As a matter of fact, um, 
uh, when I was looking at this, it's actually, as of today, last I saw, it's actually made over $436 million. And at the moment, it's the fifth best-selling, highest-grossing musical um, of all time behind uh, Grease, Beauty and the Beast, and a couple others. And they're projecting uh, that it's, it'll be number three before long. It's, it's going up fast since they just a number of months ago released it um, to the public. So, um, so anyway, The Greatest Showman. It is, a, it is a musical that is loosely based on the life of P.T. Barnum. Anybody know what P.T. stands for? Phineas, what is it? I wrote it down. Phineas Taylor Barnum. P.T. Barnum. We, we know about him that he was the founder of Barnum and Bailey Circus, right? How many of you have ever been to Barnum and Bailey Circus? Been a long time. I remember going at the Mid-South Coliseum back in the day. Y'all remember that? P.T. Barnum started the Barnum Bailey Circus. He was known for befriending the rejects of society, which they called the freaks, giving them purpose, and then he brilliantly entertained the world with them. He had, there was the tallest man in the world, the Phoebe, Fiji mermaid, the four-legged girl, General Tom Thumb, the tattooed man, the bearded lady. We've seen all these things, right? The, this movie shows basically life of P.T. Barnum from the time he's real young, shows his struggles, shows him pursuing his dreams, facing persecution, shows his insecurities, shows his failures and his successes. And as I said, it's loosely based on the life of Barnum. I actually did a little bit of reading on him this, this past week. But we know from history that P.T. Barnum was born July 5th, 1810. And his father was a, uh, was a store manager, an innkeeper, and as you saw in the movie, they featured him as a tailor. And uh, Barnum was known for, he assisted his dad in the family business because it doesn't show it in the movie, but, but according to history, he actually had five siblings. And so he helped his dad in these businesses as a store manager, an innkeeper, and as a, uh, and as a tailor. So in one of the opening scenes of the movie, uh, we find him as a, as a child assisting his dad as a tailor at, a, uh, at the home of a, of a wealthy family. And uh, some of you remember, that's actually where he meets Charity Hallett. And I think you see them kind of in, the, in, in that scene, you see them kind of, kind of flirting, you know, and whatever else. But after interacting with her dad, Barnum quickly realizes that he lives in a different world. He's never known wealth and prosperity. You know, his family just struggles to survive. And, uh, and so he's... We, in this next scene that we're going to show, we actually see him sitting on, the, sitting on a hillside uh, questioning what, is, what the future holds. And I will forewarn you, this is the only clip I'm going to use that's got a song in it. So, guys, you can relax, okay? So, uh, actually, actually, the first two clips are part of the same, uh, part of the same song. But, but uh, go ahead and hit the, the first clip there, Billy. So, we've got here... Barnum's staring out into the ocean, wondering what the future holds, and she's worried. Her dad's sending her off to, to boarding school, says, I don't know what the future will be, and he says, I do. And that's when he starts singing this song, and one of the lines in it, I don't care if they call me crazy, we can live in a world that we design. A million years is what it's going to take, a million dreams. A million dreams is what it's going to take, a million dreams for the world we're going to make. And so if you want to follow along in your notes, you should have had a note sheet inside of your service guide. And uh, my first point I want to make today is, um, number one, greatness doesn't just happen it starts with pursuing a dream. Greatness doesn't just happen. It starts with pursuing a dream. And that's why I was asking that question a, many, a few minutes ago. How many of you remember the world kind of looking scary in front of you in your life? And you don't have to be young, right? When the world seems uncertain, when life seems uncertain, that's a scary moment we look out in front of us not knowing exactly where we're going or what's going to happen or what we're going to do. 
And so, you know, I, actually, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago too, but I remember, you know, when, when Lauren started college last fall and she had th- that emotional moment with this, and what's wrong? She goes, I have to be an adult now. <laughs> and we have those moments, right? We realize sometimes we're, we've been adults for a long time. We realize we got to be an adult now, right? We don't have to be young to realize that the life can be scary. But we do have to realize that God created us for this life to do something great. The world doesn't dictate our future. We dictate our future. We like to blame the world for where we end up and things that happen. But the reality is the world doesn't dictate our future. We do. Isn't that right? We have to make a decision. Will we choose to live according to the circumstances in life? We've all done it. We've all made decisions according to the circumstances and the things that have happened to us. Will we make the decision to surrender our lives to God and allow him to lead us and guide us into the dreams that he has, into the greatness that he called us into? Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all the glory, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask for think, ask or think. God wants to use us to do great things. But many times we look at our life and we don't see the greatness there that we picture that God has for our future. We don't even see the pieces sometimes that are needed to make something great. And so it leaves us kind of feeling hopeless and alone. We've got to learn to dream again. Many times it's when we're young, like we see Barnum, many times when we're young and we have all these dreams, all these things that we're going to do, all these things we're going to chase after. And that's a great thing. We have to dream and we have to seek God. We've got to allow him to lead and guide our dreams. We've got to realize that God puts certain desires and certain tendencies and different things within us that are part of who we are because they are components of what we're supposed to do. We weren't supposed to live our life working a dead-end job that we hate. People say, what am I supposed to do with my life? Well, my first question is, what does God put in your heart? What is it that you love? What makes you come alive? Because I guarantee you, it's a component of what God has for you to do. It's a component that God has placed in your life for you to achieve greatness. Dreaming isn't just enough, though. How many of you know you can have a dream all day long, but if you don't take action, then it's all empty, right? So that's why my point was, greatness doesn't just happen. It starts with pursuing a dream, and that pursuit is a key element. We have got to grab life by the horns and pursue what God has placed on our hearts. You know, people just expect greatness to come to them. They just expect things to come. How many of you have ever said the words, one day my boat's going to come in? No, it's not. Have you ever known anybody who ever said, one day my boat's going to come in, that their boat actually came in? It doesn't work like that. You have to pursue things. We've got to dream. We've got to take action. We've got to grab life by the horns. We've got to go after what God has placed on our hearts. And the other thing I thought of in this was sometimes we are, as history tells us at this point in his life, he was about 14, 15 years old. And sometimes we run after dreams that we haven't planned, we're not ready for. We try and chase after the big picture instead of taking one step at a time. How many of you have ever run hard after a dream in life? Life can smack you right back, can it? It'll knock you right on your bum. True? How many of you have ever had life knock you on your bum before? We have got to not chase after dreams in our youth, youth, in just our youthful zeal and, and such. We've got to use 
wisdom. We've got to take steps along the way. And so things happen in life, and that, that kind of takes us into the, the next scene, which actually is just, it, it's like 30 seconds later from the last scene we just saw. But it shows what happens in Barnum's life next. So go ahead and hit number three there for me. So if you haven't seen the movie, you know at the beginning there, that was his dad. He took care of his dad who was dying, and the next thing we see is him standing over his dad's grave, right? And history tells us that his dad passed away when he was 15 years old. And starving, now without anybody to provide for him, he resorts to stealing bread from a, from a street vendor. We see the vendor throw him to the ground, take the bread back, and you can only imagine this low point, especially for a, for a 15-year-old. And uh, we see uh, one of the outcast, an outcast woman who with a disfigured face who comes and, and hands, her, uh, hands her an apple. Um, history does tell us that P.T. Barnum uh, jumped, was doing odd jobs during that time. He jumped from job to job just trying to make a buck, trying to make ends meet, trying to survive, and eventually trying to get his big break in life. Um, in the movie, we see that things seem hopeless, and, you know, he was at a point of trying to do whatever it took to, uh, to just survive. And so he goes... You know, here in a, in a very short period, in a year or so, from, from this, this whole idea of, of the world is what we make, the world is, a, is our own canvas, to being alone and doing whatever it took just to survive. And it, this reminded me of back, um, how many of you were here a few weeks ago on Mother's Day when Sean and I, um, we did our uh, message, uh, Big Butts of the Bible. Y'all remember that? Uh, and we were talking about the, the butts, the things that keep us from doing what God's called us to do. But we were talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and this kind of got me thinking about that. You know, you got Mary here who's an engaged virgin, and the angel Gabriel appears to her and tells her, you know, that the Messiah that the world has been waiting on for thousands of years, you're going to birth this child. You're going you're to become pregnant as a virgin, and you're going to give birth to the Messiah, and she, of course, ends up saying, let it be to me according to your word, right? Which sounds great. She says, let's do it. Let's make it happen. But realizing that now she had to go tell her fiancé, by the way, I'm pregnant. There's not anybody else. God did it. It's the Messiah, right? He had, she had to explain it to her parents and his parents. She had to explain it in her community. She, during that time, she could have been totally ostracized from her community, and she legally could have been stoned to death. So here God comes along, and he drops something in her heart. He tells her what, what he has for her. She affirms it and says yes, but it brings her to a point where she could have died for that. When the pressure is on, that's usually when we find out what we're really made of, right? Do we give up because things are getting hard, or do we settle for less than what God's best is for us, there will always be quitting points in our life that we have to break through. How many of you have ever been to a point where you were doing something, pursuing something, and it seemed like nothing was going right, and you were at the point of throwing your hands up in the air and going, I am done. It could have been financially, it could have been a relationship, who knows. But we've all been to that place where life knocked us on the bum, on our bum, and we were at our quitting point. You know, they tell us that Noah, Noah waited 120 years for that rain to come. Do you think sometime in that 120-year span, he might have questioned God for just a moment? Okay, God, I've built this thing. <laughs> how, much, how much longer before the rain comes? We know that Abraham waited 25 years. He was 70 years old when he was promised 
to be the father of many nations. And 25 years went by during that time period. Joseph sat in prison for 14 years with the dreams that God had placed in his heart. And I can only imagine what it would have been like to be Joseph sitting in in there as a young man, sitting in this prison for 14 years with all these things, these dreams. I mean, these dreams are why he was in prison, really. He shared them with his brothers, right? They threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery. There's always going to be plenty of quitting points along the way. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you all know this. It says, trust in the Lord of all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So we know that according to the movie and according to history, that P.T. Barnum goes on to marry Charity Hallett. And they were actually married for 44 years before she passed away. Um, In the movie, we see him struggling because he can't give her the life that he had dreamed of, that life that he sang about at the beginning. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and and show this uh, next clip. So we've got here, Barnum just got laid off from another job, and, uh, and he's climbing the stairs. You see the leaks in the house and everything else, and, and um, he tells his wife that he lost his job, and, and her response, this is what makes our life so exciting, right? He says, this isn't the life I promised you. He says, but I have everything I want. And they look at the children, right? Even though Barnum was unhappy, felt like a failure, Charity was realizing the true joy and happiness that it was found in being together and not what they lacked. And I think especially when life gets us down, when we're low, I think that what we find is that many times we're, we're forgetting our blessings and we're taking them for granted, which is my third point. My third point in your notes there, when you feel like a failure, count your blessings with thanks. When you feel like a failure, count your blessings with thanks. Did I skip? I skipped number two. I apologize for that. I might have to find a better way to do these notes. I've never quite done it like this with all these clips everywhere. Uh, point number two was when running forward, there will always be resistance. When fun- running forward, there will always be resistance. And that's what I was talking about there with, with Mary and with Noah and Abraham. Things don't seem like they're going your way. How many of you know when you're pursuing something, there's always resistance ahead? Third point, when you feel like a failure, count your blessings. And that's what we see here. And I actually, I read something a while back I wanted to read to you guys. I found it. It said, if you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you're more blessed than six million people who will not survive the week. If you've never experienced the danger of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, or the pangs of starvation, you're already ahead of 500 million people in the world. If you can attend a church service without fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you're more blessed than three billion people in the world. If you have a refrigerator, if you have food in your refrigerator, clothes in your back, a roof overhead, and a place to sleep, you're already richer than 75% of the world. If you have money in the bank, in your wallet, and spare change in a dish somewhere, you're already among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. How often do we forget that? I'll give you guys an example I, I, I almost didn't give, but I, I, I feel like it's really applicable. I, actually, I mentioned this to Jerry last week. We were talking about our kids and, you know, his two Two of his sons just graduated, and they've got three kids. And he was talking about all the cars they have in their driveway, you know, uh, having, having five people driving in the house. And I said, we're, we're in the same boat. Our last one's about to start driving. And, uh, and, and we have five cars as well. Now, 
you know, what a blessing. Four of those were given to us. I mean, it's amazing. God just takes care of us. But you know what I found back um, when Lauren started driving and we added a car and the Madison started driving and we added a car? I was constantly getting frustrated because I couldn't get out of the driveway. I couldn't go anywhere without having to go move a car or two. And you can ask my family. I griped and complained. I was like, you, you knew I was leaving in a little while. Why did you park right up behind me? And, and that, just, that just hit me recently. I thought, how stupid is that, that I'm complaining about being blessed with five vehicles? Blessed with five vehicles, and it's nothing but a pain, right? I couldn't imagine going over to you know, another country where people are starving and complaining about, I just don't know what to do with our five vehicles in the driveway, Right? Sometimes, first world problems. First world problems. Psalm 103 tells us, I think that's in your notes. It's on the screen there. In Psalm 103 it says, God forgives our sin, he heals our disease, redeems our lives, crowns us with love and compassion, and satisfies our desires with good things. Guys, it doesn't matter if we failed. We are so incredibly blessed Sometimes we will fail along the way. That's when you count your blessings and you get back up. 2 Chronicles 5.13 says, The trumpeteers and musicians joined in unison and give thanks and praise, I'm sorry, and give praise and thanks to God. Accompanied by the trumpet, cymbals, and other instruments, the singers raise their voices in praise to the Lord, saying, He is good, His love endures forever. And the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud. You know, my dad even, I think my dad mentioned this last week, who, by the way, I, I didn't mention this as we started, but um, he's actually watching online this morning. Everybody say hello, Pastor Bob. See him on there. Uh, he's taking his summer sabbatical like he always does, so he's out for, for a few weeks. But he mentioned last week that sometimes you just need to get away for a moment and put on some worship music. And like it was saying here, sing, God, you're good, and your mercy, your love endures forever. Sometimes it'll change everything. Every time it'll change everything. We've got to stop and we've got to count our blessings. James 5, uh, 7 through 11, it basically, in summary, it says, it says, Be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Indeed, we count them blessed to endure. We've all had those moments, like we said a few minutes ago, we wanted to throw up our hands and say, I'm done. But it says here, count them blessed to endure. You're blessed for enduring through. We can't give up. When life knocks us on our rear end, we've got to count our blessings, give thanks, and jump back up on our feet and keep on running ahead. We're going to go on into the, um, into, the next, uh, into the next clip and talk about another place where this can take you along the way. So go ahead with uh, number, number five there. So up to this point, basically Barnum started his circus. And it was becoming a raving success. And, um, and along the way, uh, he begins to lose sight of his original dream. And, and as this clip started, those of you who have seen it know that he had just embarrassed his wife and children. And uh, he did not chase after them. And, uh, and he has met this, uh, this woman. She's a British, actually not British, she's actually a Swedish singer named Jenny Lind. And, um, and he becomes enamored with her. He sees the opportunity to make dollar signs. And he promises her, he, he, he offers to bring her to the United States and promises her a fortune if she'll come and, uh, and sing in the U.S. So, of course, with him organizing everything and being the manager. Um, so, 
he ends up devoting all his time and attention to, to traveling across the country, uh, rent, uh, selling out all these music halls to uh, Jenny Lynn's tour. And, um, but the problem is tension begins to grow between him and, uh, and the, the circus performers and his family and basically sends his life into this, into this downward spiral. How many of you know that distractions can be very dangerous in life? Especially, I would say, in the life of a believer. You know, we all know the story of Peter. We know that he was able to walk on water as long as his focus was on Jesus, right? The moment he took his eyes, took his focus off of him, we know that he began to sink. We see the same thing with Martha. Martha was distracted with doing good things, but she missed what was most important. She missed what was right in front of her. How many of you know of uh, Stephen Furtick? He's the the pastor at Elevation Church. Y'all heard of him before? I heard a message he did, and um, in it he talked about, um, y'all heard of the torture, drawing, and quartering? You know what I'm talking about? They want to get information out of somebody, so they lay them down, and they tie a rope to each of their four limbs and tie those to horses. And then they have the horses start stretching them out, right, and try and get them to answer their questions and, and interrogate them, whatever else. If they don't like their answers, what do they do? They let the horses run, basically splitting somebody into four or five pieces, right? Well, the interesting thing you know the French word for this kind of torture, the French word interpreted into, into English means distraction. Distraction being pulled apart from different directions. And that's exactly what distraction, how many of you have ever been that place distracted where you felt like you were giving 5% of your energy to 20 different things in life and nothing was being done well? There's nothing satisfying about it, is there? Constant distractions keep you from achieving what is most important. When distractions, when you're distracted, when you're with your kids and with your family, of course, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect your relationship. Constant distractions increase feelings of juggling everything, and that causes stress and anxiety, causes us to be overwhelmed, right? Distractions, here's the thing with distractions. Distractions are totally within our control, though. We like to pretend that they're not. But they are totally within our control. Distractions are a choice. They only happen if we allow them to. I was thinking about how many young people, talking about our graduates, how many young people go off to college and they lose their focus. They get distracted about the goal, about what they've dreamed of. And they end up going off and and never accomplishing, you know, a quarter of, of what they had imagined. I know that, you know, going, I knew plenty of Bible school and seminary students who went off to school with all these dreams of ministry God had given them. I believe God given dreams. I believe most of them, you know, they were, they, they had a lot uh, greater giftings and natural abilities and talents than I ever will, but they got distracted along the way and never ended up doing what God called them to do. Psalm 119.15, I think, is the key. It says, I will meditate on your precepts. I will fix my eyes on your ways. God has got to be our focus from beginning to end. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, if you were then raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of earth. We've got to keep trucking forward. We can't give up. We can't get distracted looking at things to the left and the right. Up to this point, Barnum had stayed focused on his family, the success of the circus and his family of, of freaks, as they called him, he held everything together. He kept the peace. He led a mistreated people, really, out of darkness and into light. He gave them purpose. He gave them love. He gave them an acceptance. But the problem was Barnum was never satisfied, and he was always wanting more. You ever been there before? And he ends up leaving 
a man by the name of Philip, his assistant, he ends up leaving him in charge of the circus. And as we said, Barnum takes off on this nationwide tour with, uh, with Jenny Lind. And that's when things begin to fall apart. And as a matter of fact, um, Jenny Lind split from him as well. Now, in the movie, it's a little hazy what happens. It almost looks like she's got feelings for him and whatever else. Uh, actually, history tells us that um, Jenny Lind gave the majority of the proceeds of her tours over the years, she gave them all to charity and that she was send money back to her native land of Sweden where she would, have, where she would build schools uh, with her money. But from, from some of the things I read, it said that Barnum was so consumed with the money, and, his, and it was his relentless marketing of her tour that began to make Jenny Lind uncomfortable. And he lost sight of his focus, and it all became about the money. And it wasn't about the money to her. And so historically, uh, they say that they actually split amicably, but they broke the contract, and she kept traveling on her own. And, um, and, but it was still devastating to him, and uh, he did make his way back home. How many of you know that sometimes we have to get to a point in life where we lose almost everything uh, before we realize what's really important to us? Any of you have ever been there where you've almost got to hit rock bottom and, and lose, it seems like, every good thing in your life before you get your wake-up call? And sometimes we're like that as human beings, aren't we? Just hard-headed, can't get the message. Sometimes we have to learn the hard way. And I think that's what, you know, I kind of see in this. Rock bottom's a tough place to be, but sometimes rock bottom's what it takes to shake us up, to break us of our, of our selfishness or, or distractions. In one of the next scenes, we see, uh, you see Barnum actually um, drinking in a bar all by himself, and uh, he's lost basically everything he's worked so hard for. He's lost his, he, he's lost his wife. She, she left and went back home to her parents. Um, you know, everybody's, it seems like everybody's angry with him. He's, he's feeling Sorry for himself. I, I'm sorry, guys. I, I just skipped a, an, another clip. So let me actually go ahead and, uh, and show number, number six. So you see in this scene, his, uh, his circus uh, burns to the ground as well. So talk about hitting rock bottom. And, and we see this in the movie. This is kind of the wake-up call in, in his life. Uh, he does go back and, and pursues his wife again. And, and, um, but he's basically lost everything. And, you know, this really got me thinking about, um, you know, how many times when things happen like this in life, we feel like we're all alone and we do try and separate ourselves, right? We think that nobody can possibly understand where we're coming from. And that's where we find Barnum sitting alone in this bar, and, uh, and he's just drowning in his own sorrows, feeling sorry for himself when, when all his, his family of circus performers comes and joins him, and he basically has a choice, he has a choice to make in the midst of this. And, you know, it kind of reminded me of the, kind of reminded me of the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son was first born. He had a great inheritance, and he goes from this position of distinction and prominence to wallowing in mud and eating pig food, Right? But the thing with the prodigal son as, is as he looks back toward home, even as he's wallowing in the mud and eating pig food, he looks back, he sees his father still standing there with his arms open wide, right? And I, I think that, you know, we can never fall so far that we can't regain our focus. We can't get our eyes back on Jesus like Peter did. Like Peter, you know, when we, when we get distracted and we begin to sink, the reality is we can never sink too far. We always can look back up and catch the eyes of Jesus. And what we find is that his hand is in ours and he's pulling us back up. 
you know, once Barnum decided what was really important to him, he did go home, and even in the midst of great loss, he found that he had everything that he ever wanted. He found what his wife had had from the very beginning. She got frustrated because he wouldn't quit pursuing other things. She just wanted her family. She just wanted the love of the family. And so let's go ahead and show the, show the last, last clip right quick. So Barnum has got his family back. He's got his family, the circus performers, back. But he's kind of back at square one. He's got no money, no work, can't get a loan. And um, that's when you see everybody else has kind of gotten the message here as well, though. You saw uh, his assistant, Philip, was the one who said, you know, basically I thought I had everything beforehand, inheritance, acclaim, invitation to every party in town. But now all I've got is, what do you say, friendship, love, and a work that I adore. You brought joy into my life. I think that we've got to make sure that we keep the first things first. I think that's kind of the key in this whole thing. We make sure that we keep our priorities straight in order, realizing that God will never fail us. He'll never forsake us. We've got to keep our eyes on him regardless of what happens in life. Life is not to blame for where we end up. It's our choice where we end up in this life. Life is, what do they say? Life is 5% what happens to you and 95% how you respond to it. We make the choices. We can look back and we can blame where we've ended up on all kinds of things. We can blame it on an absentee father. We can, we can blame it on abuse. We can blame it on being poor. We can blame it on so many different things. The reality is all you have is today. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, he's going to take us where we need to be. And so the four things I want to mention again. Greatness doesn't just happen. It starts with pursuing a God-given dream. Secondly, when you're running forward, there will always be resistance. How many of you know that's nothing new? It's so funny how we run forward in what we think God has for us, and when things get tough, we think we're out of God's will. No, you're probably in it. You're probably in it. There's going to be resistance along the way. There's going to be moments that you want to give up where you've got to push through. Thirdly, when you feel like a failure, count your blessings, give thanks, and I'll add to that, and get back up. We can't stay down. We've got to keep running forward. And lastly, the last, I still didn't even give you the last point in your notes. Sorry about that, guys. The last point, number four, was starve your distractions, feed your focus. Starve your distractions, feed your focus. This was on a, um, one of those motivating memes from, from Google I saw. I was like, that's a great line. Starve your distractions, feed your focus. What is it that you're focused on? What is it that you're going after? What is your dreams? What is your pursuit? Starve everything else, every other distraction that keeps you from it, and run forward with your eyes on Jesus. Amen? God designed us with a purpose in life. So we've got to dig deep. We've got to dream. We've got to pursue what he's placed in our hearts, and we can't get distracted by other things. Y'all know satisfaction only comes in doing what we were created for. And there's a lot of other things to pursue that we think are good. But in reality, God's way is the only way. The dreams and the desires he's placed in your heart, they're there for a purpose. So... You know, maybe you're at a place in your life where maybe your dreams haven't been Christ-centered and your focus hasn't been on Jesus. That can change today. Let's all stand up on our feet, and I want the worship team to, to come on up. Let's all bow our heads together. Lord, I thank you that no matter where we found ourselves in life along the way, you were there like the, like the father of the prodigal son with your arms held wide, ready to receive us. You offered us love, and we had none for you. God, I thank you that you looked at us 
as the dust of the earth. And you called us your very own. You poured out your love to us by sending your son, Jesus. And God, we are so thankful. I pray, God, that we won't take that for granted for one moment. And if you're here today, and maybe that's true for you, maybe you would say that your dreams in life haven't been, haven't been self-centered because your focus isn't Jesus. Good news. All you got to do is get your eyes on him today. It might be for the first time. It might be for the 30th time. But you've got to get your eyes on Jesus. We surrender our life to him. He gave his life for us, so really we give our lives for him. And so if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, this is your opportunity. The Bible says, if you would surrender to him, you confess him as Lord of your life. Not, it's, not a, it's not a one-time thing. You don't confess in this moment, Jesus, your Lord. That, that's not what saves you. It's, it's living a life that's surrendered to Jesus. It's about less of me and more of you, Lord. If you're at that place where you're like, you know what, I have got to surrender. I've got to get my focus on Jesus today. I want that greatness. I want my life to count for something along the way. I know my focus isn't where it should be. If that's you and you would say, I need to get my focus on Jesus today, lift your hand up so I can see it. Who would say, I need to get my life right with him today? Anybody in this place? All right, well, maybe your life, maybe your life is right with him. Maybe, you've, maybe you're a Christ follower, but maybe you're at that place where you just want to throw your hands up in the air. Maybe you're at that place where you just don't know what else to do. You feel like all you do is push through and push through and push through and all you get back is resistance and resistance and resistance and you're exhausted, you're tired, you're worn out, you're burnt out. You just don't know what else to do. How many of you would lift your hand and say, I need some strength today? How many of you would lift your hand and say, the resistance is tough. And you would, you would say, I need the Lord's help today. Lift your hand if that's you. Who of you are weighed down by the burdens of life? Who of you need a breakthrough today? All right. Several across this place. Guys, just, just, just keep your eyes closed for a moment. And, and this is primarily just, just to keep your focus on him for just a minute. Let's just all pray together. I, I want you, everybody, just to just begin to come into alignment. Look at your life. Look at where you're going. Look at what you're doing. Look at the legacy that you're leaving behind. Allow the Lord to speak to you. God, I thank you for each person here today. I thank you for those who have lifted their hands specifically and said, life is heavy right now. The burdens are so heavy. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of the resistance. I need a breakthrough. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would touch each and every one right now in Jesus' name. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the comforter. You're that paraclete. You come along and you help lighten the load. And you point us toward the Father. Lord, do your work today. I pray, God, that as we move forward, as we pursue the God-given dreams that you've given us, that we won't give up. We won't look to the left and the right. We won't look back. We won't slow down. When we trip and we get knocked down, we're going to get back up. God, we are going to pursue you with everything we have in Jesus' name. God, I pray for those of us here who have forgotten what it means to dream. I speak dreams today in Jesus' name. 
I speak inspiration in Jesus' name, Lord, that we would, we would realize that you're not done with this yet. There's so much more to do. We haven't reached the climax of life. You've got more for us until we take that last breath and open our eyes in eternity. You've got more. So God, give us dreams. If that's you and you want dreams, just just lift your hands before him for just a moment and just say, Lord, speak to me. Give me dreams. Give me visions. Lord, use me to do something great in your kingdom. God, I thank you that you've equipped us with everything that we need to accomplish what you created us for. So I just pray, Lord, I just begin to draw on the potential with each and every one. The giftings and talents will come to the surface that maybe we didn't even know that we had. Lord, that you would you would just increase the burden in our hearts for, for the lost. That we would go after people because that is your focus. Your goal is to reach people. Lord, fill us with your love. God, I just thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. No matter how bleak things look, you're always right there. Lord, we turn to you. We accept your loving embrace. Use us to make a difference. Use us, God, to make you famous in the earth. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.